0: Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. In 1924, Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. Today's sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken from 1949 Youth on the March television broadcasts.
1: Thank you. You know, I'm a little bit like the uh Preacher who was continually preaching the gospel. One day, one of the deacons said to him, See here, Parson, why don't you give us a change of dial? All we ever hear from you is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Why don't you change off for the land's sake and change about on this thing? Well, he said, What would you like me to preach on? One deacon spoke up, sort of a timid soul. He said, Why don't you preach on pills? He said, Pills? I'll talk on pills next Sunday. And it got circulated around. He was going to preach on pills. And my crowd was out. Packed the church, he stood up, he said, there, ladies and gentlemen, there are all kinds of pills. There are blue pills, there are black pills, there are red pills, there are white pills, there are pink pills. But he said, the pill I like best of all is the gospel pill. Went ahead and preached it. That's <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you, that's the way we feel about it tonight. We've got something. When it gets in your system, believe me, it'll do something to you. It'll it'll, it'll work in your life. You know, Thomas said, Lord, over in uh, uh, John, the 14th chapter, the 5th and 6th verses, he said, uh, Uh, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that's the important thing in any person's life. It was the important thing in my life. You know, I didn't think much about church or religion or going to heaven or the Bible. I didn't care much about those things a while back. And I was indifferent to the claims of Christ on my life. I jumped the traces, and my folks, you know, used to make me go to church, compel me to go, my dad ruled his home with a rawhide whip. My dad made us go to church, and we went there as regular as clockwork till I was 16 years of age. I got a job driving a truck. I said, now I'm going to show them. I came home that first week with $23.50 in my pocket. I thought I was a millionaire. I walked into the kitchen where my mother was by herself, and I put $10 down on the table there, the kitchen table. I said, Mother, I'll give you $10 a week for my room and board. If you don't mind, I'll do what I want about church. And they didn't see me around church much more. My folks had said, don't you do this and don't you do that. I said, I'll do what I want. My folks said, don't let's ever catch you shooting fools, so I started to shoot fools and gamble for money. My folks said, don't let's ever catch you dancing, so I had to start dancing and took dancing lessons. My folks said, don't let's ever catch you with a cigarette in your mouth, so I had to start and smoke. I was in desperate rebellion against the compulsion. I drifted away from home down to San Francisco and Portland, Oregon, and then landed in Los Angeles, a perfect stranger. I was on Broadway with my two suitcases looking around for a room when, lo and behold, I met two of the young women I'd been dancing with on the boat coming down the coast. They said to me, haven't you got a room yet? I said, no. Well, they said, why don't you try the Bible Institute? I said, the Bible Institute, that, that didn't sound good to me at all. Oh, they said, go ahead. They got a couple of hotels, one for men, one for women. So I went up. Set my suitcases down, went up to the man, said, I'd like to have a room. He said, young man, are you a Christian? Well, I didn't really come to be interviewed. I was interested in a room. But I didn't think I was a heathen. Well, he said, that, I said, sure I am. He said, well, we can give you a room just for a few days. I said, that'll be okay. I'll get one somewhere else after that. That was Thursday night. Thursday, I went to a dance. Friday, I went to a party. Saturday, I went to Cinderella Roots Dance Hall, one of the hottest dance halls in Los Angeles. And Sunday morning, I was a good church member, and I went to church. Thought it'd be nice to write home and say, well, went to church Sunday morning. That sounds good on paper. I went in there and sat down, and my real man of God came out, and he, he was an Irishman. Uh, he, he slaughtered the English language when he preached, but could he preach? He preached on heaven and hell, and it just seemed to be the very thing I was searching for. I was at the crossroads. I was at the turning point. And there that morning, September 23rd, as this man of God preached, I knew what I needed to know was that I was headed for heaven. And that morning I raised my hand, September 23rd, and said, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. That's why I'm a preacher. That's why I'm looking into your face tonight to tell you that you can have the same thing when you come to trust the Son of God. The trouble with people is they don't realize that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That God says the wicked shall be turned into hell. And then into your life and into my life has come the stain of sin that's blackened and marred and stained. And tonight, as God looks down on your heart, he beholds it sin stained and blackened, deserving of hell. I was in Minnesota a while back. They took me through uh, one of the guards, showed us to one of the great institutions there. We saw the men in, in the penitentiary, marching through a hallway uh, in a groove. And they walked the clear whole length of the hall in a groove. And I said to the guard, how come? Uh, oh, he said, that wasn't put in that way. He said it was smooth and flat, but these men, walking, arms folded, back and forth, to their meals, back and forth, day after day, week after week, wore the groove there in the cement floor. When that floor was put in there, it was perfectly smooth, but the wearing of those feet constantly, day after day, wore the groove in the cement floor. My friend, there are grooves in your life. There are stains of sin in your heart. There are stains of sin upon your life tonight you wouldn't let that person next you know about. And that's the thing that will send you to hell assures you don't come to the place where you pin your faith in the Son of God. And realize that 1,900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary, and there on the cross he died for sinners. Not for good people. If you're good tonight, you don't need a Savior. But bless God, the historical fact is that Jesus died on Calvary for you. I don't care who you are. And if you want to have a hope when you die, I said that to an elderly lady and a man this week, up in the 80s, I said the time's going to come soon. You're going to need a savior. <laughs> We've got one for you! And his name is Jesus. How about you? Do you have him? Oh, you say, how about the hypocrites? Never mind them, they're going to hell. How about you? You need the son of God. You know, during the First World War, my uncle, Uncle Marshall, he was living up in Canada at that time, when the call came for volunteers, he enlisted. Left his wife and two babies in the homeland, he went over to fight. He was stationed on the front-line trenches. They said he was the life of the trench. Cutting up, full of fun and pep, and one day the command came to charge. Fixed beans, out over no man's land they went, and then the order was given to fall back. He fell back in the front-line trench and looked around for his buddy, the one that had stuck with him through thick and thin, he couldn't find him. He searched the dugouts, couldn't find him. And he looked out over no man's land there, and amongst the barbed wire, the mud and the muck and stuff, he saw a form lying and writhing in pain and agony. He knew who it was. It was his buddy. He left his rifle in vain, crawled up over the edge of that trench, wriggled along through the mud and the barbed wire on his stomach, carefully as he could he got out there, and uh, got a hold of that limp body, threw it up on his shoulder, turned, and started back for his trench. And as he stumbled and fell and made his way a uh, he, halfway along, the enemy, the artillery of the enemy, opened fire, and a huge shell came and at his feet and blew both men into eternity. I was home when my mother got worried about him. I was there by the phone when she cried like a baby for her brother. And yet my friend, 1900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary for you. He died on Calvary for you. And you haven't even thanked him for it. That's the pathos of it. That's the regrettable thing that you've ignored him. And tonight he wants to know if you'll trust him. If you'll say, by the grace of God, this savior is going to be mine. If he can bring satisfaction and joy in the lives of all of these young people here on this telecast tonight, if he can bring them and give them a hope beyond the grave, he's the one I've been searching for. Oh, last week, uh, one of the letters I read was from a young fellow. He said, I tried to take my life. and he said, if this doesn't introduce me to my creator, God only knows what I'll do. I'm glad to tell you, Jesus is the way. He'll give you satisfaction the like it, which you'll find nowhere else. Will you receive it will you pay the price will you crown Him the savior lord of your life will you go out at work tomorrow will you go there to school tomorrow and say i'm not ashamed of it jesus christ is my savior will you do that i
0: hope you will we now continue with the second sermon
1: will you wait there just a moment while i talk to you you know sometimes we preachers have difficulty in getting people to uh stay awake why, I, I heard of a person a while back said to the preacher, What, what should you do when the congregation starts to go to sleep? Why, well, it's time to wake up the preacher, and that's about right, too, you know. Like one lady, she w- couldn't go to sleep, and the doctor didn't know what to do with her. and uh, She said, Why, take me down to church. Though. I've been sleeping there for 40 years. And that's the way with some folks, you know, sleep all the way through the church. <laughs> Thank you very much. But now, listen, don't you go to sleep. I had tea for supper tonight. I'll sure stay awake if you will. I want to talk to you about Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 24th verse. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses made the right choice. Moses made a choice that was worthwhile. And you know, you and I, we should look at life in the light of the ultimate, that which is sure to come. We should remember that the world offers us plenty today. The devil takes you up and says, I'll give you all of this of you, but come and follow me. And people by the carload are going the broad road today without any care for Jesus Christ and without any care of death, the ultimate which is sure to come. I want to talk to you there by your television set right now. Will you just wait a moment, please? Moses... Moses bore persecution. It says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God. I noticed I was reading it today where it says that they were not afraid. And then it says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then it says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God. And I want to tell you, my friend, if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to make a choice and say to the godless, foul-mouthed bunch that take his name in vain, I don't care whether you like it or not, I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. That takes backbone, and Moses had it. That's more than a lot of you have. It takes courage today to stand up for the thing that you believe. And it takes more courage to have some little tuba before laugh and sneer at you and ridicule you because you stand for the thing that's worthwhile, Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of men and women going to hell today because they haven't got the backbone to stand up and take it. You know, when I was in school out in California, my chum and I were walking along 6th Street. We're carrying our Bible. And as we were walking along, he said to me, "Say, see that fellow over there laughing at us carrying a Bible? I said, I see him. He said, say, first, do you know what it makes me feel like doing when a fellow laughs at me because I carry my Bible? He said, no. He said, it makes me feel like getting a bigger Bible. Whereas he was a boxer. He could take it. He could give it, too. And I want to tell you, my friend, we don't offer you a, an easy road. We don't offer you a bed of roses. But we tell you, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to make a choice like Moses did and take up your cross and follow the Son of God. He chose to suffer affliction. He could have had everything he wanted there in the court. He could have had all the pleasures that Pharaoh could give him. All the money, all the wealth, all the joys, all the luxuries. No, sir. I'm choosing to follow the Son of God and take the reproach of the people of God. I like him for that. Then I notice he broke with Egypt, says right there. He broke with Egypt. He forsook Egypt. He came to the place where he forsook the old ritual, the old order, the old things that dragged him down, the, the sins that dragged him down to the gutter. And says he forsook them. And when you become a Christian, when Jesus Christ becomes your Savior, he does something for you. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And that's one of the evidences that Christ is a reality in your life. The angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what he does. You know, a while back I went through the great paper mills in Dalton, Pennsylvania. The superintendent took us all through these mills. Where the paper, uh, we make our currency from some of the paper there. And uh, we saw the rags in the vats being dissimulated and moved around and put through solutions and then on out, worked out and onto rollers and on up through rooms and processes and came to a room and he pulled a big, tore a big piece of paper off one of the sheets and said, look at that, isn't that beautiful? No, no, he said, that's not beautiful. And he took and put that under a microscope we saw it all full of holes. And we went on to the next room and it dipped through a solution and on out into dryers and And there, he tore off another piece and looked at it through the microscope, it was beautiful. Holes were all filled in, went through a process, and the process filled in the holes. Beautiful, beautiful paper. You know, when he showed me that, I thought of my life, sin-stained and black just like yours. My life sin-stained and oh, I needed cleansing, I needed something to fill in those holes and wash it clean and bless God. 1900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary there on the cross, he died for me. When I received him that day, I heard him say, The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses you from all sin. That's the greatest thing in all the world. I said that to a fellow this week when he was receiving Christ as his Savior. That's worth more than a million dollars to you. That's what you need. You've been searching and seeking and hunting and trying and you've been disgusted with hypocrites and you've been having all kinds of petty excuses, my friend. You need the Son of God. You need cleansing. You need to have enough backbone to come out and say, I won't let anybody keep me away from the Son of God. Then you'll break with Egypt. Then you'll choose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God. And I notice one more thing. It says he kept the Passover. He bore his cross. And today, if you're going to be a Christian, you may be one amongst a thousand. But when you have the Son of God, my friend, one can chase a thousand and two can put ten thousand to flight. When you've got the Son of God, you've got something that's worth everything. Worth more than all the fortune you may pile up. You'll leave the whole thing. That's why we young fellows and young girls love the Lord Jesus, and that's why we've gone out on the limb to reach you tonight and point you to the fact that there is Jesus your Savior if you want him. You want him tonight? While back a young fellow was receiving the Lord as a Savior. I talked to him at the close and he said how he'd accepted him. And he said, You know, my mother died this week. And when she was dying, she said, Son, I'm going I'm going home. I'm going home. And he came up and cried there at the altar and he said, Mr. Crawford, I want to go home too. I want to meet my mother in heaven. Now I couldn't help but choke up with that young fellow. He wanted to go home to be with his mother. That's right. And you too, many of you, knelt by your mother's bedside and said, Mother, I'll meet you in heaven, and you're far from heaven tonight. God wants to save you. Will you let him? Will you say, God, help me tonight, regardless of your life and its sin-stained condition? I'm going to claim him and receive him and keep the Passover stand for. Go out and bear persecution. Lose all your friends if need be. It'll do you good to lose some of that godless bunch. Say, Jesus Christ is going to be mine if it costs me everything. He'll bless you. He'll save you. I hope you will tonight. And now our four sons, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, little children, get on board. They're going to sing...
2: Little children, there's room for many a more The gospel train and come
1: We love on these Sunday evenings just to have a little chat with you each uh, night at this time. Will you just uh, quiet everybody around your television set there and let me talk to you very briefly about one passage of scripture found over in Acts, the 24th chapter, the 24th verse. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Priscilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for a But the record never says that he did. Here is a graphic court scene, a terrific court scene in which a man was being tried for his life. Things were sort of dead around the court at that time, and so he thought he'd have a little fun, and he brought from prison this man who was in prison because of his testimony for Jesus' sake. And he was brought in, and standing before Paul, he said, Go ahead and speak. And Paul spoke before this great man, Felix, and gave a little word of testimony. Paul had a chance to win a friend. Paul had a chance to flatter him. And you know, it takes courage to, to talk to one man. It's not so hard talking to a great group, but it's hard to talk to one. And Paul had a chance here to pat him on the back and perhaps be released from prison. But not so. It says, the record says, the historical record says, he stood up and he reasoned with this man, this great man of power. He reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. He started with righteousness. He started talking to him about sin. And you know, that's where salvation begins. The Bible starts right there, if you're going to be saved, you must think first of sin. And how that strikes at all of us, it strikes at me, it strikes at you. God says, all have sin and come short of the glory of God. God says, to the soul that sins, it shall die. And that includes me, and it includes you. He didn't preach, be kind and do the best you can and do a little charity, no, no. He preached on righteousness. You know, when I was at a, a college, some years ago, we had a flag rush, and uh, the freshmen against the sophomores, and, uh, of course, I being a sophomore, we, we used our heads a little bit more, we thought. And so the great crowd was around, the freshmen around the flagpole, you know, and, and uh, uh, we said some of us, now let's wait till everybody's all tired out, four or five, we'll wait until they're all tired out, and then we'll climb right over through these freshmen, get up there and put that flag up. So we waited. The old thing started, the fight was on, and for about an hour and a half, they were all weary, and then came in the fresh boys. We just plowed right through there, and the freshmen had put tar and put water all around the bottom of the base of the flagpole. And we got black from head to foot, and I fell over once on my face. I looked up and laughed at a friend of mine. I just doubled over with laughing. He was black from head to foot. I thought he looked so funny. The flag rush was over. I went back to my room, took my shoes off outside the door, went up to my room, and I looked in the mirror, and all I could see was two white spots. My eyes was all that was white. Everything black with tar and mud. And you know I thought of that. Here I was laughing at the other fella and when I saw myself I was black from head to foot. That's the way with you tonight. Before a holy God your life is sin stained and black and that's the hard thing for us to get you to see that without God and without his righteousness you are absolutely without hope. And he stood up there and he reasoned with this old ruler and he reasoned with him of righteousness temperance to be temperate. Any reason of judgment to come. Paul preached on hell and he preached on judgment. He preached the soul that sins it shall die. He preached that every one of us shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And my friend, if there's no judgment and no hell, then let's go out, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But don't be deceived. God is not mocked. There's a judgment whether you burn your body or kill yourself or go ahead into the depths of sin, you're still going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't worry about that. Just as sure as we live and after death, there is a judgment. And he stood up there, and he was. And I can see when he was all through the Felix, say, said, that's enough, don't preach anymore, take him away, guard, lock him up. And I can see him going back with his chains manacled around him and his hands all tied on his feet, the chains around him, walking back discouraged, back to his cell. They open the door and it swings closed. And the closing of that door, my friend, was but the symbol of the closing of another door that forever shut heaven up from the reach of that old ruler. He missed his chance when Paul went. Will the turning off of that television set be the symbol of the closing of another door that will forever will shut heaven out from you? I hope not. Look at the chance he had. Look at the chance he had. The greatest preacher in all the world stood before him. The greatest soul winner. Look at the chance he had. He trembled. He shook. And I want to tell you it's possible for you to feel your need and even shed a tear and cry. That's not enough. No, sir. He stood there and reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment. He was shut in with a great soul winner. But look, why didn't he become a Christian? Why didn't he... He looked for a more convenient season. He said, I'll do it again some other time. Like a lot of you, Sunday after Sunday, you've been hearing the the story of salvation. You said, I'll do it next week. I'll settle it later. He looked for a more convenient season. And second, he wouldn't give up his sin. You know, it costs something to be a Christian. If you're going to really get the peace of God in your heart, you've got to mean business. You can't play around with it. I was uh, preaching down in the church down in Maryland. A big theater, it was, and at the close, a a, a lady was there, and one of the girls came up and said, Will you speak to this lady? We've been trying to win her for Jesus. Will you come and talk to her? And I went up and talked with her, and I got nowhere. And I was about to leave, walked down the aisle, and then I came back. Lovely, refined woman. I said to her, Lady, it's going to cost you something to be a Christian. She said, cost me something? I thought I was going to take up another offering, I guess. No, no, no. I said, it's going to cost you your sin. She bowed her head, she knew what I was talking about. If you want salvation, my friend, it's going to cost you something if you want the real thing. This man wouldn't pay the price. I'll hear thee again of this matter. And he went his way and history records, it does not record another thing, about him calling for Paul and getting another chance to be a Christian. That's the tragedy of it. A young lad received Christ as his Savior. He was so happy he went back to the mill and they said all Monday morning he sang praises to the Lord. He wasn't ashamed of it. 11 o'clock, his arm, his clothing got caught in the machine he was working on. He was pulled in, and his arm was badly torn, and his body was ripped. And uh, he said, send for the preacher, send for the preacher. And they sent for the preacher, and he came in a horse and wagon, and and came in, and when he came in to the young man, the young man said, oh, he said, wasn't it good I settled it in time? Wasn't it good I settled it in time? And the preacher prayed with him, and that young fellow was so glad that he'd made sure, as his life was gone and the day is going to come when you're going to need it. And I beg of you tonight, put your faith in it. Settle it. Make sure you're Christian. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our Father, bless these. May there be a great many today. Tonight, settle this thing. Get on the track. Know the joy of having their sins washed away and their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.